Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Zachariah Kamara. He went undefeated as an amateur, and he just finished his professional MMA debut, sitting at 1-0 as a pro. Really appreciate Zachariah Kamara for coming on today, training out of Vision MMA under Jeremy Pender in Cincinnati. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. We're going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line, where I am now joined by returning guest. I have Zachariah Kamara. Zach, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing very well. Really appreciate you joining me. I should say, uh, since the last time I spoke with you, of course, you went pro- you're now a, sitting at 1-0 in your professional MMA career. Uh, congratulations on your big win. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. I, I really do. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think many would, would dispute the fact that in this part of the country, at least, when it comes to amateur and young MMA fighters uh, making the transition into the professional ranks, you were right near the top. You're only 23 years old, and... I mean, you, you, you're five foot eleven. you've got real long reach, you have a judo and wrestling background, of course also, um, you know, your kickboxing foundation, um, so I mean, as far as uh, an up-and-coming prospect, I'd say you're one of the top, really, probably in the country, do you think I'm overstating that? Maybe, I don't know, I mean, you're the hype man, so you just, you know, you're just saying what you have to say, but I guess we'll see as time goes. I just say that to everyone I have on. So what? I just I say that type of thing to everyone I have on. I, I say you, uh, yeah. you're the best in the country. Uh, I guess so, man. 
Hey, if you said it, you said it. <laughs> no, I, I do. Uh, I do feel that way, and I think most people who are familiar with you um, would agree. What I enjoy doing with you, Zach, is you coming on and you helping me to review recent fights um, for the B2 fighting series and give your analysis for each of those fights. Before we jump into that, you you, uh, selected a few recent fights that we can review. Before we jump, jump into that, is there anything you'd like to touch on? Uh, not really. I don't really have anything to say, you know. I mean, I can quickly summarize my first pro fight. Yeah, I yeah, mean, let, let's th- hear that. What what happened? How did you come out with the win? So the dude, we knew he was a wrestler. He was strictly trying to take me down. I couldn't, like, box as much because that's what he wanted to get his take down. Um, I was very heavy on, like, kicking the leg and, you know, oblique kicks. And it, it worked. And then I got a few takedowns of my own. And at the end, he shot a takedown. And I caught him shooting on the way in. Just uh, started out by a guillotine and then switched it to a dart. And then just finished it, you know. Good deal. Um, are you satisfied? What, what do you give on a, a scale of a through, per- a through F? What do you rate your performance? Performance, I say... I'm kind of disappointed myself, so I'd say like a, between a C plus and a C minus. Like I could have done better, especially with volume. You know, usually like I throw a lot more punches and stuff like that. But you know, the thing is, you got to adjust your style to like who you're fighting. So I'm not gonna complain too much. You know, I got the win and the finish over a good guy, so I'll take that. You jumped right into it. I mean, that was someone who was sitting at 2-0 and as a pro. So, I mean, you certainly yeah. could you could have taken much easier professional MMA fights. Um, is it going to be this way your entire pro career? You're not going to take any cupcakes? I mean, yeah, that's the plan, you know. Like, I'm trying to, like, it doesn't do me any good to take those, you know, cupcake fights, you know. Like, my goal, my goal is to, like, show people, like, hey, I know how to fight and I got to, do it that way by like fighting the good people. So right now I'm wanting to know I want to fight someone that has a similar record or better. I love it. Okay. Um, so when it comes to the recent B2 fighting series fights, you helped me to choose a couple uh, of the most recent um, of the most recent uh, um, matchups. And I think the first one you chose was Perry Stargell and it was against Nathan Pierce, wasn't it? I'm, I'm trying to find that on YouTube. Are these available on YouTube right now? Uh, not anymore, man. Because now that like they have that uh, Fit TV contract or whatever, I don't think they're going to put them on YouTube anymore. That's what sucks, really. Damn. Okay. I was going to say I'm trying to Google do a YouTube search for this, but I don't see it on there. You saw yeah. the fight. You were there. Um, I was there. Yeah, what what can you tell me about the Perry Stargell versus Nathan Pierce matchup? Man, I was I was very impressed by Perry. I mean, like I've seen him beat up people before, and even like Brandon Campbell, like the fight before, like yeah, he did beat him up, but I never saw him beat someone up like that. Like it was, it was probably like the most violent performance of the night, of like the whole weekend. As far as it goes, like it was just nasty and just 
he just broke the man down, really. Perry is young. He's 26 years old. He's sitting at 6-2 and two as a pro. Do you think, once again, I'm the hype man, so obviously, as you said earlier, it's my job just to hype everyone up, <laughs> but am I getting carried away to say Perry Stargell may be uh, one of those types of fighters who at some point soon will take that next step and, and head to a much larger promotion? At this point, like he's like one or two fights away. I mean, I think they just offered him a title shot. So whoever that is, they're gonna get beat up, and then after that, it's like you know, he's gonna he has no choice but to go to the next level. You know, so it's just for him. I think right now it's just like about time. It's about one or two fights. He does what he does, and he's gonna be out there soon. Like you'll see him on like UFC or something. For sure. Okay. Um, the next, actually, before we move on from Perry Starchell versus Nathan Pierce, is there anything else you'd like to throw in about that matchup? Uh, the matchup? No, not really. I thought it was a good matchup because, like, you know, Perry is kind of like, people think that, like, he initiates, but he doesn't. It's kind of like, he pressures you into, like, throwing first so he can, like, counter you, and Kind of like what he did. And Nathan Pierce, you know, he had good head movement, but Perry was just capitalizing on it and just taking apart, like, the body. I mean, the body kicks, for people who were there, they seen it. It was, it was like, you know, very beautiful. So that's the only really thing I got to say. Like, I have nothing else to say besides, like, it was a perfect performance. Okay, moving right along. Um, next matchup we will review is Oling, who headed into this matchup with 6-0 and as a, in his amateur MMA career. He is also 23 years old, fights out of Fight Factory under Chris Griffin here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, he was matched up against Jermaine Anthony. Jermaine yeah. was sitting at 4-2 and two in his amateur career. Um, Oling is such... Okay, so before we even get into reviewing this fight, uh, Zach, tell me yeah. about tell me about Oling because he's so fucking intriguing. Everybody writes him off, and, and I'm guilty of it. I don't think I've written him off. Um, so, no, but but I I do think it's easy to I don't even know if I'm articulating this correctly to to you know someone like that. He's almost unorthodox in some ways, and to not realize how good he possibly could be. What kind of fighter is Oling? So I'll say this. A lot of people are, like, mad that he's winning because when you look at him, it's like he doesn't necessarily have, like, the best technique or, like, the best form. But with what he knows, he can make it work. It's just, like, his style is, like, he has, like, his own style, and he makes it work. And people just don't understand how because usually, like, when someone, like, looks good, they expect him to be, like, looking a certain way when they throw punches. But the thing with him, it's like, you know how, like, you have a beginner that comes at the gym and it's harder to, like, spar them because they're so unorthodox? Mm-hmm. He actually made that his style. So it's not – now he's like, you know what? Since people are having a hard time with how my style is weird, I'm going to get good at being weird. And that's what he's good at. 
I love but it. But now it's like he's, he's good at being unorthodox and being weird, and he's making it work. I mean, seven finishes. I think most of them in the first round, KOing people. I mean, at this point, people can't deny the man, you know? No, I, I agree 100%. At, at some point, everybody has to um, stop and acknowledge this guy is, and I think he might get tired of continually being labeled as unorthodox or just different or whatever it is um, because he, you know, he, he has really good striking and he has that athleticism that makes it very difficult for someone to grab a hold of him and to take yeah. him to take him down to the ground. So he's he's a basketball player. He can move so well inside of that cage that if you want to get him to the ground, um, you have to really uh, make yourself you make your, you got to work for it. You got to make yourself vulnerable to just being punched in the face basically with this uh, wild barrage of strikes so it's just a regardless of what we describe it as it's just very unique his takedown defense combined with his striking he's almost made that into an art within itself and the thing is i wouldn't if i'm him i wouldn't even be mad if people say i'm unorthodox it's like basketball it's like okay you have stephen curry who like you know is running threes but you know you always have that weird guy on the court that has like not a good shooting form, but for some reason you don't understand how they make the three-pointers every time. So it's like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If it's working, it's working, you know? Clearly, because there have been matchup after matchup where uh, uh, I would say the majority of people who are, at least that I have heard, have been, whether it's publicly or behind closed doors, they've been betting against Oling. To, to, you know, in these matchups. And what's he do? He just keeps winning. And the majority of those are with finishes. And it seems like he just keeps getting better. I mean, I think he's only been training martial arts for a little bit over a year now. So it's absolutely amazing. So headed into this matchup. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Zach. Uh, now you're good, man. I forget what I was going to say anyway. It's all good. Uh, so in this matchup, first round stoppage from strikes. What did you see in there between Oling and Jermaine Anthony. I mean, just like always, Oleg was being patient. Let the guy just, you know, kind of like come in forward, do his thing. And then eventually, like before you knew it, the dude was just, he made a few mistakes. Oleg caught up, uh, you know, he caught on to it. And then he finished him. And even the dude, like I saw him in the back after he finished the fight, he was pissed because but you could see it in his face. It's like, bro, I feel like I'm better, but I lost. First, you weren't better. And second, it's just like, you know, you just got to. Like, there was no way out of this. Like, you were getting beat up. So, Very interesting to see because MMA is so unique. You can have, you, can have, you know, really good, let's say, conventional Western-style boxing or kickboxing, okay? And that's yeah. great. That's very helpful for MMA, don't get me wrong. But mixing it all together is such a unique uh, sport or activity that it almost it changes everything within the sport. And it's like, it's, it's a specific skill that's unique to everything else. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know, it's kind of like, basically like when you go into a fight and you have one guy that's like a black belt and the other one, a blue belt and everyone is like, Hey, that fight goes to the ground. The black belt got it. And then sometimes it's the blue, the blue belt submitting a black belt. It's like, you always gonna have stuff like that happening, and I feel like that's what's happening with Oling. You know, 
because they feel like they got the knowledge advantage, they're relaxed. But the blue belt, he knows that he doesn't necessarily have the knowledge advantage, but with what he knows, he's going to be careful and he's going to apply it correctly. And, you know, that's how you make it happen. Like sometimes, like, you can know three techniques, but if you know how to, like, you know, put them into, like, a nice little wheel and, you know, attach them back to back, you can do awesome things as of compared to, like, being a black belt and knowing a lot of things. And because you know so much, you think that, like, hey, you know, I'll be fine and you end up not being fine. So I think that's, like, the whole thing with Oling, man. That's what I see. People just, like, sleeping on him. After being 7-0, I mean, if people are still sleeping on him, I guess we'll just have to, like, beat up someone else again. So... Now the conversation for Oling turns into, I mean, he's only been training still for just a little over a year, um, but but how long should he stay amateur? I guess that's up to him and his coaches, but I mean, what an interesting uh, 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 experiment to see unfold in front of us is how long is this guy going to stay amateur? I mean, hell, 7-0, what does he go to 10-0 or 15-0, then go pro? I mean, how should that work in your opinion? I mean, in my opinion, like, he's 7-0. He did great. What I would do, it's like, because how old is he, like, 22, 21? Oling is currently uh, 23 years old. If he feels confident, what I would recommend is, like, you know, personally, what I would do, I would take those next six months off, and I would, like, tighten up what I feel like I'm not good at or not comfortable at and only do that thing. And then when next year comes up, you know, just go pro because at this point, I mean, he's the best at 145. He's had seven finishes and yeah, he's only been training for like one year or even less. And he's able to do that. So at this point I'm him. I just sharpen up what I'm good at, get better with what I'm bad at. And then when comes next year, you know, start taking over. Looking at your amateur career, Zach, you waited. You kept fighting amateur matchups. And in your last fight as an amateur, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? You can tell, yeah. you can tell me to shut the fuck up if you would like. Ah, oh, no, you're good, man. But in your last fight as an amateur, you found Seth Schaefer, who was 10-0, and 0, and, I mean, that guy was an amateur, but he was fucking good. And you ended up, you know, dominating him. But within the fight, he did catch you, I think, just maybe just once. And you did sustain yeah. a little bit of an injury. So is that the risk of staying amateur too long, is you might get fucked up without getting paid? Yeah, Dad. I mean, we all do it for different reasons. But I just feel like one of the reasons why I wanted to turn pro is because, you know, like, the guy was 8-0. And I dominated him, and it wasn't even close. So at this point, if I'm doing this at an amateur level and, and getting injured, you might as well just do it at pro level, you know. So that's, like, one of the things. Like, that was one of the main factors, really. Okay. Um, moving right along, we saw a rematch between Will Baker and Steven Wagner. Of course, Baker out of uh, Cincinnati and Steven Wagner out of Louisville. Um, this was a rematch. Tell us about this matchup. Well, to be honest, I thought the rematch was going to be better. And 
because, like, you know, the first fight when Stephen Wedger came out, I mean, if you watch the pay-per-view and stuff like that, you'll see that, like, his emotions were, like, really, like, getting up to him. I mean, he went from, like, crying before walking out to, like, laughing in the cage to, like, all sorts of emotions. So I thought that's, like, kind of what affected his performance, which probably did. So this time, you know, I thought it was going to be, like, a better matchup and, you know, it was going to go back and forth a little better. But, you know, Will Baker just really showed how good he is. I mean, he came out there. The first time, I felt like he could have finished the fight, but he was, you know, just being patient. But then the second time, he just, I, I felt like it was, time for him to just show like hey I am that good and I'm gonna show it that you know you should never fight me again and then he just like finished him and he showed like great grappling how uh, special of a prospect is Will Baker I mean hey the man is good I mean he he can strike good Uh, you've seen his last fight well you haven't but he can grapple also good he got all the tools to make it to wherever he wants to be. Like, he's like, I'm not going to say like a complete fighter because, you know, that's like a, that's like a big word, but I definitely say like he's proficient everywhere. Like, no matter where it goes, it's, he'll be fine. So he got the tools, so now it's all about getting better. And that goes for like any of us, like me or Oleng or anybody you know mm-hmm. okay um there has been some buzz about who wants to fight zachariah kamara in your next professional fight do you care to comment on any of that buzz or shit talk man you can get it and start it off because personally like i'm not like i don't even really care but yeah man let the public know you, what, let the public know what? I say you know about the Bradley McGar. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So I can tell the public. You don't mind. Brad, oh, no, Br- Bradley McGar had a 4 and one amateur MMA uh, career. And he ended up trying to go pro. Okay. He, he is a guy who trains now out of TAG MMA, which is, of course, where like Nathan Manis fights out of. Uh, four and one as an amateur. He signed a contract to fight Brandon Burr as a pro for February of 2020. That never ended up happening. Brandon Burr's a stud, so I mean, that that would have been an exciting uh, matchup regardless. But uh, long yeah. story short, Magar is still yet to make his pro debut. And for some reason, about a week ago, he decided to to challenge Zachariah Kamara on social media. And he, he, he uh, really came at you pretty hard. Um, and, and what they ended up doing is, to, to Brandon Higdon's credit, one of the matchmakers for the B2 Fighting Series, yeah. is he said, okay, you want to make, how much was it Magar said he wanted to make? 3000 Yeah, 3000 total, fifteen fifteen. Yeah. And uh, Brandon Higdon said for a pro debut fighter, that's not realistic. But then he got creative with it. And he said, you guys can fight, 
for fifteen fifteen, and so the winner gets three thousand, and the loser gets zero. And so it looks like there's a possibility that we will see a Zachariah Kamara versus Bradley McGar matchup at one thirty five. Is that true? We might see that as a, a professional fight. Just going on Facebook posts, I don't know, man. I mean, like I said, I'm just really whoever wants to fight will fight. Maybe it may happen, maybe it may not. We'll see. Once I'm like healed up and stuff. Uh yeah, man. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not like worried at all. Okay. Um, do you have anyone else in mind that you may want to fight next or that doesn't really matter? What you're worried about is getting healthy right now. Nah, I'm I'm not too worried at all. It's whoever just like someone that's like uh, like I told you earlier. That's like, you know, my record or better that I want to fight, you know, someone that's going to like push me and stuff. What can you tell us about your injury that happened in your, your last amateur MMA fight? And then was it re-injured during your pro debut fight? What kind of update can you give to us about that? I mean, I'm good. It's just, uh, I think we both went to like strike at the same time and, he kind of like got like a loopy like overhand, and then I went to the doctor and I was like, "Yeah, it's broken." But this time, like, it's like nothing crazy. It's more like a just like a small fracture, but it's not dislocated. I mean, obviously, like I'm talking and stuff like that, and I'm even working out. So I'd say like I should be fine within like a month, maybe a month and a half at the most. Are are you still doing your your crazy long distance running? Is that still part of your conditioning? Yeah, I want to say part of my conditioning. I mean, that's something that I do, whether like I'm in fight camp or not in fight camp. Like I I get I get a lot of messages from people asking me like, "Hey, uh, what do you do for cardio?" And then when I tell them what I do, they call me insane and saying that they won't ever do that. But like. I'll never know if my cardio is good because of running or because, like, of training because I do it whether, like, I'm in fight camp or not. So even if, let's say, like, I was to fight in December, I wouldn't start running in, like, November. Like, I would still be running this whole time. Could you give, let's assume someone listening is not familiar with your running uh, habits. What type of long-distance running do you do? What type of pace? How often? How far? Uh, four or five, four to five times a week. It really depends on like how much time I have and like the training sessions. But I try to get between like eight to like twelve miles, and then on the days where like I don't have anything to do, I probably hit at most, you know, maybe like fifteen miles or something like that, or just run. Like sometimes I run, but then. I get bored, so I just go home. What what kind of pace? What kind of pace? I feel like the fastest pace is maybe, like, I'd run, like, 8 miles 15 an hour. Yeah, per hour, maybe, like, 8 miles or something like that. Okay. So so a pretty, pretty solid pace for up to 15 miles at a time. Um, and, and you've been doing that for a long time. Is, is there... Did did someone in particular influence you to do that, or, or how did that come about? 
Well, I started off doing track in high school. And then when I started wrestling in college, after practice, if I felt like we didn't do enough, even though we did a lot, I would just go and just run like a good 10 miles after like wrestling practice. And then, you know, COVID hit. And then I was like, the only thing we really had was outside. So at this point, I'm like, you know what? Why not pick up the pace? And then I just started running a whole lot more, you know, damn near every day because that was the only thing that, you know, we were able to do just, you know, body weight workouts. I was like, you know what? Why not run? I mean, I was already doing it, but just take it to the next level. And as you continue with your MMA career, you don't see that slowing down or increasing. That's just going to kind of probably be a part of your part of your daily life, regardless going forward. Yeah, just part of yeah, just part of the routine, I guess. Okay. Um, are there any? Let me take a look here at the B two Fighting Series up up con, upcoming. Um, I guess uh, Perry Stargell, of course, is a a teammate of yours. Yeah. Um, Pender, of course, is, your, you know, your coach. Um, he had a recent fight. Any other – what What about Jeremy Pender? He's How old is Jeremy Pender? 35 years old? He's at some, uh, something like I that. I think so. Let me take a I look. I think here. so. Yeah. What, what kind of a, a career – how would you describe Jeremy Pender's career? He's 19 and 14. He's 35 years old. He seems to me – Zach to be in his prime right now. He's won five fights in a row. He's 35 years old. Um, I mean, where does someone's career like that go at the age of 35? Well, in this case, it's different. You know, most people, they get to that age and it's like, oh, we're slowing down and stuff like that. But, you know, I think right now he's at a point where, like, he's really got it figured out. Maybe before he was fighting, uh, you know, now he uses his brain more and being more like tactical and like measured about it as of like maybe before he wasn't doing that as much. So now it's like, even like when like we train, it's like, yes, yeah, like we're going to be tough and we're going to do this, but we're going to use our brain before anything. So like the way he approaches, like even like practices and stuff like that, like, you know, like you go to like a lot of rooms and, you know, people are just pouring us far, but, you know, after, like, let's say, like, me and you, like, we get done sparring, after, like, we get done sparring the round, he'd be like, hey, Kelly, try to do this and that because he's doing this, you know, and then you work on that the next round, so now it's, like, really more, like, like I said, cerebral fighting and stuff like that, and then when it comes down to, like, oh, it's the last round, then, yeah, use your toughness and your brain at the same time. So he's doing a good job at that. And, yeah, you know, a lot of people say that fighting is a thinking uh, or something like that, and that's what he's doing, man. So, so he's making us smarter fighters, and he's showing us that his last, like, five, six fights, just the way he's, like, approaching it. If it's dumb, I'm not going to do it. We're going to do it smartly. If we're going to take a decision, it's going to be that way. We're going to, like, calculate it and see what's up. And then if it goes down to, like, the last minute I need a knockout, okay, maybe then get a little crazy. But other than that, it's, like, really, like, 
definitely like more measured approach. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but I assume you saw Nathan Manis's most recent fight against Umar. Yeah, I seen it, dude. And he just got our grappled, but you know, I'd say this. Well, the dude also like Umar also had like good striking. He also does. He's one of like their guys at AKA. They got the base of wrestling, of course, but they also have. He also has like good kickboxing in his case, and um, I'd say like the thing about him is like yeah, they're all like Numer Gomedas, so everyone fears that last name, and they automatically think that like they're like super awesome wrestlers, which they are. But sometimes it's like you know. It might be like a mental game. Maybe like he's not even that good of a wrestler, and because you think because like he's related to Khabib uh, that like that means that, like he's a monster. But you got to look at it this way. Sometimes it's like, yeah, everyone in Thailand probably has good striking, but not everyone is Senchai. And plus, the thing is also maybe he didn't expect Nathan to like take him down. So maybe if it would have took him down, it would have been like another story. So, you know, there was like a lot of variables in this fight that could have been explored that weren't because of the wrestling threat. But, you know, I guess you like live and learn, right? Yeah, it was difficult because, of course, that was a very lopsided or one-sided victory for Umar. And as you said, his striking was working. What about that kind of like a push kick, push kick to his face? Did you see that? Yeah, I've seen that, and I've seen that in, in many of, because I did like a little film study on him, his lead kick, the, the right switch kick, and that push kick, it comes very fast, and what he does is, even if he doesn't land it, he's still going to throw it, just like, to like, keep your mind occupied, so I feel like some combination, boom, he throws it, even if it doesn't land and it just touches your arm, he's still going to do it, so... That's like one of his like good weapons for sure. Pretty caught me off guard because you know it, it didn't seem like someone who's seemingly a grappler, like you said, that's his strength. We view him as being a a, a grappler like Khabib, but then out of nowhere, he had some very loose striking, and in particular, that push kick almost caught me off guard. Really, yeah. When I watched it, it really didn't surprise. Like I was waiting on it. And I was like, ah, shit, there he goes. Um, the good news is Nathan Manis still has multiple fights left on his UFC contract. He's now 3-1 and one in the UFC. And I think he has a style that it's not going to be boring. Now, don't get me wrong. That fight was kind of boring uh, because Umar dominated it. Um, but I, I think Nathan Manis is the type of guy that you can put in there against many people in that division. And you will see an exciting, you know, almost like a firefight type of uh, uh, exciting uh, UFC matchup. I mean, for sure. I mean, I've, uh, his last three fight before that one, like, they were, like, you know, pretty exciting. And I think I've seen him and Adrian Yanez or something like that talk trash. So this fight, uh, they're going to make it happen for sure, I think. And that one's going to be, like, it's going to be a good one. So... Be on the lookout for that one. I assume, I know Jeremy Pender 
uh, fought against Nathan Maness many years ago. He helped me preview that fight. Um, I assumed that you and Pender, along with me, are, we're all still fr- fans of Nathan Maness. Nathan Maness's, um, regardless of what his teammate Bradley McGar, how he's coming at Zachary Kamara, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, man, but this shit talk like that, it's at least entertaining, right? You got to admit it's not boring. Yeah, it was a little fun, especially since I was bored. But then the next day, like, I had stuff to do, and he was tagging me in a bunch of stuff and texting me, and I just left him on red. I was like, I just I just don't have time, dude. Like, I'm, I'm running and stuff like that. I'm just not going to answer my phone, so... So, yeah, I mean, the guy is obviously bored, and, yeah, he's he's bored. He's bored. When you're on those long runs, Zach, um, do you have, like, AirPods in? Are you listening to things? It depends. Sometimes I grab the headphones. Sometimes I don't. I feel like if you're listening to music when you're running, it's kind of like cheating, but it is not cheating. If you can do the same thing without headphones. So if you can run 15 miles with headphones, you better be able to run 15 miles without the headphones. Okay. Very uh, specific uh, opinions on long distance running. How far is the longest you've ever ran? Probably like maybe 26 or 27, something like that. Okay. I love it. Well, Zachariah Kamara, I really appreciate you joining me for the episode today. Before we wrap things up, do you have any shout-outs or any uh, mentions you'd like to get in before we, we tie up the episode? Uh, not really, man. I don't really have anything. Just, I guess, happy July 4th or whatever to everybody, and that's pretty much it. I love it. Zachariah Kamara, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. No problem, man. See you later. See ya. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.